I'm Gabby. Welcome to another episode of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Well, either like it or loathe it, to mark Valentine's Day, which lands this week, if you're listening to this close to its release date, in this episode, we are looking at an all too often overlooked area of love and our love lives, and that's self-love. So we've come up with an episode to help guide you to show more love and appreciation for yourself. And we've got an incredible guest to help show us the way. Gina Swire is a world-renowned self-love expert, podcaster, and author. Gina travels all over the globe speaking on the topic of self-love. She also holds retreats, has an app, and has some very popular online self-love courses. Gina's book, P.S. I Love Me, is also the title of her own podcast series. And Gina has mentored thousands of women of all types of different ages and backgrounds from all over the world to help them elevate their self-worth and get aligned with their soul's purpose. So what makes this self-love guru so passionate about helping others to live their lives without guilt, limitation or sacrifice? Well, you're about to hear. Gina shares her compelling story from being scouted as a model at the tender age of 17 and the confusing dictation to lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. How she was riding high as a successful model, but felt thoroughly disconnected from the life she was living. To finding her life's purpose and becoming soulmates with herself. In this episode, you're going to hear some of Gina's most down-to-earth, no-nonsense strategies for self-love. She also talks about how the world is set up to disempower women through marketing, the media, sexuality, even school. And what are some of the most common signs and symptoms you might not be giving yourself enough love and kindness? So, ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Self-love expert, number one best-selling author, Gina Squire. Welcome to the Happier Life Project. So um, chuffed to be talking to you about you know, your bread and butter, basically, which is Mm self-love. And I'll kick off by saying that for as long as the podcast has been going, which is in, well, we've had a makeover, but nearly two years, whenever we ask the app users and the listeners, what do you want the most help with? It is always self-love, self-worth, top one. This is the thing that people seem to struggle with the most. So I know you're not surprised about that, really, because I can see you nodding. So hopefully this podcast is going to help in that department. P.S. I Love Me is the name of your podcast and it's the name of your book, which I am nearly finished with listening to on Audible. Wow. And your mission statement is you are on a global mission to help a billion women fall madly in love with themselves. That's right. That's quite an ambitious number. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're on track. (laughs) We're on track. Excellent. Well, let's jump in by learning a bit about you first. 
and your self-love journey because it's really interesting actually when I was hearing you narrate it in the book you were scouted to be a model and then you had a bit of a an interesting situation didn't you where it was like you needed to lose weight and then you needed to gain weight so if you wouldn't mind sort of taking us from there (laughs) totally yeah well it you know it's just one of those those dramas in life where you're being told so many different things kind of and I used to internalize all of that as oh I I do need to lose weight oh I do need to gain weight oh I need to change oh they're right and I'm wrong and yeah Mm. so for me that was in the form of originally being scouted as what they call a straight size model I'll say that in inverted commas Um, And that meant that my 17-year-old UK size 12 body was just a bit, uh, in their words, a little too heavy um, Mm -hmm. for for the role. So you need to go away and you need to lose a stone in weight and come back in two weeks and and we'll (laughs) book you. I was like, Jesus, if I could lose a stone in two weeks, woman, I would have done it by now. That was my entire life trying to be thin at that time you know a lot of my focus was on trying to lose weight trying to be thin all negatively focused on food very much in my inner world but in a negative ineffective unhelpful non-self-loving way was this before you got scouted or was this as an an effect of it was before during and after Mm. yeah I Mm. definitely was I succumbed to that uh, weight loss life, you know, Weight Watchers and yo-yo dieting and every Monday I'd be on a diet and I was always wanting to be thinner. And I I was always curvy. I was always bigger than all of my friends, even at 17 when I was a size 12. All my friends were size six and eight. And I was like, why am I this size? I I need to eat less. You know, that's the only possible thing that it could be I'm just eating too much and so yeah all of my focus went on that and now I mean I just did a story on my Instagram this morning about this you know I now have such a good relationship with exercise and with food and with myself and if my intention was what it used to be which was to lose weight make my body smaller and have less effect on gravity than I do, then I'd be still failing now. And yet Mm. my intention has completely shifted now. My intention for my working out and my healthy eating and whatever kind of eating is always to be sharp, you know, for my brain to function well, for my energy field to grow, for anything Mm. in my energy field that doesn't need to be there to be pushed out. Like all my intention now I'm so good at it, you know, like mm. yeah, I'm completely winning, but my intention shifting for why I do it. Yeah, you're making me think just hearing you speak about when we think about self-love, does self-love or lack of, does it cling on to weight? Because that's something, especially if we talk about women and of course men struggle with it as well and body image. It's a great thing, isn't it, that 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 kind of negative voice can latch on to. You're too thin, you're too overweight, you're too ugly. That's that. It's the physicality side, isn't it? So I wonder if there's there's that voice that's kind of ready to pounce on weight 
And then there's also kind of maybe the weight ready to hold hands with the voice. Absolutely. I think you're so on to something there, Gabby. Like, And this now taps into a lot of how I teach. You know, now mm. I'm 10 years down the line with this original self-love message. And I just get to see how it's the matrix, you know, the matrix of the way the world is set up to disempower young women, to disempower mm. them. Mostly for me, that was through weight. For a lot of people, it's through sexuality, through mm. a lot of people. It's even like through schooling. I mean, I was never taught about entrepreneurship or all these possible amazing things that are actually, in my opinion, way more profitable, way more helpful for the world, way more sustainable than going into a typical regular career, which didn't fit the type of person that I am, even as a child. And mm. then even things like the tax system, the way the tax system is set up and how we're not taught about any of it. And, you know, all these things I've just noticed over the years are so matrix. Oh, and yeah. a big one the food we eat and the way we're not taught about nutrition and you know the way there's all these chemicals and shit in even baby food i and products all the yes. products in boots like 90 percent of the products and boots are all completely toxic have dangerous ingredients in them and not natural and not nature i just think wow people are allowed to pump crap into people including this weight loss industry thing you know there was nothing mm. about me at 16 17 that needed to lose weight and yet everywhere i looked i was being told i needed to lose weight whether that's in the media whether that is you know actually attending things like slimming world and weight watchers and things like bmi and them saying oh you're not in a healthy range i'm like now i look back and i'm like I was probably healthier than most of the population, but I was yeah. being told I was going to die. <laughs> and everywhere I look, there's yeah. marketing and crazy things everywhere telling me I need to be more beautiful, lose weight, this, that, and the other. And I just don't believe it anymore. I don't buy it. In fact, yeah, and you're just making me think. And also, it's a good point with, like, we don't really get informed or taught about the tax stuff. But it's almost like there's so many institutions, like, set up to clobber us that it's no wonder so many people are struggling with, you know, self-worth, self-esteem, when it's like, yeah. why does it have to be this hard? It actually doesn't. But just kind yeah. of going back to how this all kind of started to unfold for you, I mean, yeah. more power to you at 70, and I'm sure you were, like, initially super excited to be scouted, right? I mean, what person wouldn't, what teenager wouldn't? But then, like, didn't you say to them, I'm not going to do that in terms of, like... Yeah. That could have had really detrimental effects to, like, your physical health. Like, if, to lose a stone in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's super unhealthy to do that anyway. And I just knew... Well, actually, when I got scouted, I wasn't super excited. It was more my friends and my parents that were like, you should do it. And that there must have been a part of me that wanted to do it. Mm. But there was a bigger part of me that was super shy. Mm. I didn't like my body. I didn't really want to be seen. 
And I was very different to how I am now, very shy compared to how I am now. And yeah, so I wasn't actually super Mm. excited. So when they'd said, oh, you're too fat, I was like, okay, well, you asked me to come in and now you're telling me I'm not right for it. So that's on you kind of thing. (laughs) That was my attitude as a teenager. And I just knew I wasn't going to be able to lose a stone. Mm. And yeah, so what actually happened was I basically ended up modeling anyway. Like the universe wanted me to become a model. And I met this other woman and she kind of, it was like a little local agency and she invited me to do some bridal modeling. And and for that, they wanted a curvier woman. They wanted boobs and bum and all of that. And I was like, okay, well, I've got that. And Mm -hmm. for them, I was right. I was perfect for them. And then what happened was the same agency heard that I'd been modeling and they were like who is this girl probably that isn't I'm not we're not taking commission from who is she let's get her in and so Mm. they messaged me and asked me if I wanted to come in and I was like no why am I going to come in to be told I'm too fat again right they didn't put the two and two together um I think maybe at some point they did and then they basically made me a different offer that they wanted me to be Manchester's first plus size model and I was like oh my god how offensive is that that's a fat model job Like I, and because of these judgments I had on myself, right? I was literally like, oh my God, that is my street cred done if I become a, basically a fat model. That's what I thought. So when I went in, they then said, oh, we love your look. We love your face, but we need you to gain a stone in weight. Come back in two weeks. What's with the tip magic two week thing? It's like, <laughs> that was the timeline. Two weeks. So I, I just knew like what teenager i mean maybe there is some but definitely not in my reality wants to gain a stone in weight like two dress sizes it just wasn't what i wanted to do it went against everything i was trying to do and so i'd said no and then basically they still booked me and they padded me so they used to put padding on me (laughs) um and they would choose really unflattering shots that made me look bigger and I used to go for castings for jobs that things like Kellogg's, for example, their models had to be by law a certain BMI. Otherwise, they couldn't use that model for that campaign. So there was all this stuff that I used to have to kind of do. It was bizarre. And at the same time, I'm painting a very negative picture of all of this. It was really fun and there was some glam and I got to travel and then I got signed in London, then I got signed in New York, then I got signed all over the world. And I actually had an amazing modeling career Mm. and quite often I was a bit too small. So they would pad me. (laughs) That's wild. But then as this was going on and and yeah, it was super exciting and I can, I can only imagine all the parties and the glam, the glam stuff. But then there's also this behind closed doors side, isn't there? That you hear a lot in the modeling industry in particular, but I could just open that out to entertainment where this is where you developed a bit of an unhealthy relationship with your body, right? In terms of what you were putting in there. Yeah, I actually think I already had that before the modeling and the modeling just put a, like a spotlight on it. Right. I think 
actually now that I coach people on this work, most people go through this kind of thing. And yet being in like a high visibility career, Mm. it's just magnified, Mm. you know? Yeah, good point. Also because so many people think, oh, you're a model. What have you got to be miserable about Mm. or, you know, you've obviously nailed it. So it's that keeping up appearances of, I was always trying to align to what people thought I was like, even though during my modeling career, I did come out of my shell a lot from my little quiet teenage years. I did come out of my shell a lot. A lot of that was due to alcohol and, you know, Mm. everywhere I'd go, I'd be drinking, always be champagne at parties, even on shoots. You know, there was always alcohol and coming from a little town near Blackpool in England, that was the norm. Wait, where? What town? Holton Lee I'm from Lithamson Towns. No way. <laughs> I thought your accent sounded close to mine. Likewise, but I, I assumed you were a little bit maybe more towards Manchester way because of the whole story with, with you know, modelling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, small world, isn't it? Wow. Small world. There we go. Small world. <laughs> so growing up in Poultonly Filed, you'll know it well, going to the hub and the residence. Yes, yes, yes. That was the thing. Everyone got smashed every night that they could. And that was it. So that just carried on. I never thought I had a drink problem. I never thought I had an eating problem. Mm -hmm. I never thought I had, you know, an eating disorder or anything. But now when I look back, it was all pretty fucked up. I was literally numbing out any way I could. Yeah, that resonates with me as well because in my like late teens, early 20s years, I was in Ibiza. <laughs> Can pick up some unhealthy habits. But then you kind of went the other way and then you didn't you do like a, a course in nutrition? Yes. So I started modeling at 17. I had a really successful career, especially with plus size because it was so niche at the time. It was quite a new thing and there wasn't many of us doing it. And it was right at the time when all of the brands were getting a plus size collection. Mm. And so it went really well. And in a way, I just got super busy and busyness was numbing me out as well. And then I got to a point in my late 20s where I'd had... My dad died when I was 24 and that was like a big awakening. And then between 24 and like 28, I was basically out of alignment. My life wasn't what I wanted, but I hadn't found my new path yet. Mm. And so as the universe does, I was getting breadcrumbs and I was following what I call the cosmic breadcrumbs. Yes. And... At a certain point in life, I was like really called to do a nutrition course. And honestly, the intention for that was mostly selfful reasons or selfish reasons. It was like, I want to look good and I want to feel good, mostly look good, because I just felt like everything was getting worse. And when I joined that course, I hadn't researched it. I just was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Mm. And the course was actually very much about personal development It was actually about becoming a health coach, which I had no idea when I booked it. And I was just a hard no to that. I was like, I'm an international model. (laughs) I don't have time for anyone else. It's all about me. I'm the most important. And anyway, the course went along and 
It was so incredible. And if anyone's listening and you're looking for something like this, hit me up about it because I've recommended it. So many of my friends have done it since. It's just such a good course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that course asked me some fundamental questions that I'd never asked myself before. And one of them was, who are you living for? And at that time... I was actually living for my dad's approval because he loved the fact I was a model. He loved telling all of his friends I was a model. You know, I felt that was probably a way that I could get love from him. I was also living for my agent because my agent was like hardcore and just sending me out on all these things. And I was trying to please her. Mm. I was living for my fans, for my audience. They're like, where are you going next? Oh, you should work for this. Oh my God. Like all of the blogs, all of the comments, I was living for approval Mm. and I wasn't actually living for myself. And when I came back to that, honestly, this was the first step in self-love. I was like, well, if I was living for myself, what would my life look like? Mm. And so I think I modeled for about another six months after these initial realizations. And then I just got to a point, I mean, I'd had an absolute bender. Mm. (laughs) I'd been out like on this debaucherous weekend and I just got to this point. I was on the biggest money job of my life in Manhattan on on set with like 30 people all running around. I was like the star of the show. And I I feel like my my soul left my body and was just looking at this and like, no, we're done. We're done with this. Wow. And I left New York. I left my career. I left everything. And I just went back. I bought a house in Manchester and I quit alcohol. I quit men. I went vegan at the time. I quit partying all my old friends. I like deleted all my contacts, everything just vanished. And I just went inwards. You really went for the full on total cleanse. Yeah. (laughs) The ultimate cleanse. Exactly. And I do hear now, like now that I study this and I speak to so many people, it was actually in astrology, what's called your Saturn return. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm -mm. It's about the age of 28. Our Saturn returns in our chart. Uh, I'm not big into astrology, but it creates a colossal shakeup. And so if anyone's around 27 to 30 something, that could be what's happening for you. And it's basically everything that's worked for you until a certain time, it will be what got me here won't get me there, basically. And so Mm. what had got me here absolutely was not going to get me where I wanted to go. And where, where I wanted to go was like this inner journey and so yeah I just completely got rid of everything and that's actually was the hardest point of my life I just was like what am I doing I can't do that anymore but what am I doing that's how I make money that's how my life like right um yeah and from that place that's when I got all this clarity and essentially my book P.S. I Love Me is about that time like it's about what I learned in that time, which is the basis of everything that I teach now. 
Mm. Well, just one more quick thing about in terms of you doing the nutrition course and I think you first, you maybe when you were trying to figure things out around that point, you started to teach people about nutrition, first of all, before the self-love teaching started to happen. Yeah. And you said none of the nutritional or healthy habits will work unless you love yourself. So I guess you were seeing it in your clients even before you were starting to go down that road of self-love. Yeah. There was a disconnect, right? So you were like... giving them the tools in terms of like exactly to be healthy but something wasn't merging exactly and that's still the case now you know if like I said earlier if I'm trying to work out to lose weight to to shrink my body to look a certain way I'm there's only that takes a lot of willpower because that is a superficial intention and Mm -hmm. Actually, when it comes from a genuine love and want our vessel to feel good and our inner world to be in alignment, that doesn't take willpower because that's like a genuine, deep, internal world shift. So it's like I call it the inner athlete. Mm -hmm. And that is very much, I believe, supported by God. Like that is supported. It's It doesn't take willpower. Once you've got to that stage where you just want to give your body everything that she needs or he needs and you are listening and you're in unison, when your body asks for something, you're like, of course, of course I'm going to give you that. You are my highest priority. You know, once you have this kind of relationship, then it's, it's very effortless to, it's not easy, but it's, it's very, very different to back in the day when I was just using my will and grit. Willpower is such a limited resource that, Mm. you know, you can do it for a bit, but it's not going to last long. And if you Mm. speak to anyone who has been effectively healthy in, you know, working out, loving themselves, eating healthy 80% of the time, you know, healthy body, healthy mind people, they have had the inner shift that I've had because that's the only way it's sustainable, in my opinion, mm. in my in my studies, which is vast. That's quite a, a powerful conclusion you've come to there as well. Yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it that way, but... It's not that everything's just like going so well and there's never an issue and I never do any of these things anymore or I never just don't go to the gym for a week. You know, it's not that. I've even felt it this week in myself, you know, where something's just knocked me off my horse a bit and then Mm. I'm like, ooh, what crap can I eat? And I'm like, (laughs) oh. So it's like back in the day that could have lasted a week, whereas now it might last... 10 minutes or it might not even manifest on the outside because I catch it in my inner world and I'm like oh look I'm wanting to punish myself essentially I'm wanting to hurt myself by stuffing loads of sugary crap in my body that I don't really actually want or my body doesn't actually want it's Mm. like the the saboteur wants it Mm. so actually I can catch that before I even it manifests on the outside and I can just do my myself with practices and come back to alignment and breathe it through and usually there's a stuck emotion that can't move and you're trying to shove it down rather than get it out wow so we've talked <laughs> about 
how food and and diet can be um, a sign of maybe this lack of self-love. What are some of the other signs and symptoms, would you say, some like common ones that, you know, when people are really down on themselves that, that you've seen working with all your clients? Yeah. So you mean, what are some other signs and symptoms of a lack of self-love? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, well, if you're not getting the results you want on the outside world, very simply, that is because you're not loving yourself. So if your money, if your bank balance is super low, then that comes down to self-love. If your um, health is really poor, and obviously I'm massively blanket statementing here, and yet... Yeah. When we dig down, even in the nuances, underneath everything is usually a lack of self-love or self-care or self-worth. In relationships, if you are in a, in a terrible relationship or an out-of-alignment relationship or you want to be in a relationship and you're not, whatever that is, when you go down into the depths, and this is what I do with people day in, day out, Mm. underneath that of all the layers and all the excuses and all the drama underneath all of that is a lack of self-love self-worth self-trust all of this self-work and the inner world is out of alignment so if we take one category so let's do money because I love talking about money okay. and I speak to women day in, day out and some of them will say things like, oh, I can't afford to do a self-love course. Let's use that as an example. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, when I actually chat to them in a five minute conversation, I can sense and I can see where they're lacking self-love. So if they're in a career, I'm I'm like, sometimes when was the last time you asked for a pay rise? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, do you feel the amount of money you're receiving is equal to what you deserve? And often it's like, well, no, but what am I going to do about that? And I'm like, if you focus on your self-love, a byproduct of that, every week in our community, women ask for a pay rise and get it. It is like insane when their self-love rises and they realize like, oh, mm. I'm actually like, you know, a, a big player in this game of life. Like mm. I want to be rewarded for that. And they get it. And they actually like shift the way they hold themselves, the way they speak, the way they pitch, the way they do their job. And they embody more energy and then they often get a pay rise. What's the secret formula for rising your self-love? Because I'm just saying what everybody right now is going to be yeah. thinking. It's like, wait, what? Because yeah. <laughs> that's okay. a bold statement so there. Self-love is not getting a pedicure or having a bubble bath. No. Self-love is actually deep inner work. In my method, the way I did it, and this was all I don't know what was coming through me, but when I did my own self-love work back in the day in Manchester in my house, miserable on my own, when I just quit modeling, it started with forgiveness. Like I just kind of realized that I had had these massive standards for myself that were unreachable anyway. And mm -hmm. I had fucked some things up in my life and mm -hmm. I was holding it against myself and I was thinking I didn't deserve better. And when I got to forgive myself, that was a big step. So I'm, mm. I'm massively chunking through these. 
then there was the self-talk so the way I spoke to myself was like trash mm. you know or subtle sometimes I'd have this very loud negative self-talk voice that was telling me all the time oh no one cares what you've got to say oh no one's interested in what you're doing Ugh, whatever just say what doing what you're doing yeah we all yeah. have that horrible voice don't we I know that you referenced in the book Byron Katie and uh the author of the Untethered Soul I'm kind of slowly making my way through that that book I'm trying to digest it I have to go back and reread it as well because sometimes there's just a lot in there isn't there but basically it's the premise of detaching from the thoughts and kind of observing them as like a it's not me it's that voice in in the head we aren't our thoughts kind of thing which I'm sure you can articulate a lot better exactly yeah we can't trust what we think we cannot mm. trust that most of it is bullshit so it's yeah. like you're in India India is the place of awareness you know being mm. in deep awareness in presence like the 101 of of yoga, of meditation, all of the Indian philosophy stuff, that really is such a big help in this self-love work. So self-talk, big piece. Then we have things like boundaries, you know, we're not taught boundaries, mm. really, maybe a little bit by our parents, but in, I, in my opinion, school should have full-blown seminars on boundaries not on physics because it could be actually useful yeah so there's so many things and I created this 12-step self-love transformation which is kind of what the book's based on but the course goes a lot 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 deeper and each step will bring you more and more into alignment with who you truly are because mm -hmm. a lot of this crap that women and men go through is learnt behavior it's mm. it's learnt mm -hmm. in our younger years we're not taught the right way and so we struggle and it normally comes to a head around that age sometimes for people a bit younger for me it was like 29 some people later as well depending on their life path all these things add up and as women go through this transformation they might have spent a thousand pounds on a course and then they get a pay rise for five thousand and they're like wow this was so worth it you know and that's just one piece because once you've got these i call them codes self-love codes you can use them forever and the difference between a woman who wakes up and looks in the mirror and is like oh i look like shit oh i need to get my makeup on Oh, what am I going to wear? I'll just stick on this old bag thing, whatever. I'm not wearing heels today. Oh, what am I going to eat? Oh, I'm going to just, oh, whatever. I'm just going to ram this crappy thing down my mouth and get mm. to work. And then it's like, mm, vibes low, conversations mm. are low, can't be bothered to work. You know, this downward spiral, probably not getting a pay rise. And then mm. the opposite is waking up, doing affirmations, doing a one-minute meditation, looking in the mirror, seeing the goddess, <laughs> thinking, I don't even need makeup today because I am goddess embodied in a human. <laughs> Going to your wardrobe, putting on something bright and sexy and feeling good and going to your kitchen and being like, right, body, what is the most nourishing thing I could eat right now? What would you like me to give you? And being in this high vibration and 
going into work with a smile on your face and feeling Mm. radiant and magnetic and having high vibe conversations, sharing what you've been doing. And, you know, maybe you go out to lunch and somebody asks you on a date or sends you over, you know, how Mm. it's a very different reality. And that is the reality that I teach women to be in. Mm. And that is where manifestation kicks off. It's where money grows it's where relationships flourish or drop away we have a lot of divorces in our courses because (laughs) divorces in our courses nice divorces in our courses that's a great (laughs) tagline um not a sales pitch (laughs) not really no but uh yeah but we do yeah yeah wow i mean just hearing you sort of talk about it and you're probably just scratching the surface there it's obviously you've got to put the work in to get those incredible results it's not like a that's why you needed in-depth course and the book definitely is kind of I guess it's your sort of gateway in isn't it for sure because I think that it's like well where to start I think it's like people resign themselves to the fact that they're just like well my life's shit yeah because people just feel clobbered they feel stressed They don't look like the people, you know, on TV or Instagram or whatever. So it just, I guess it all kind of adds up without us even realizing it's adding up. And then you've got your own personal emotional baggage, the stories which you talk about in the book as well, which is like those looping stories that we just, we don't even realize that we've sort of convinced ourselves because we were maybe abandoned or felt abandoned as a kid. So therefore... The saying is like a trap light, but you've got another way of saying it in terms of you basically reap what you sow. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you go, yeah. you end up with those partners that are emotionally unavailable, say, because that's what you think you deserve on some kind of subconscious level. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so when you start to unpack, firstly, what we've been taught in general about how humans should operate, what, you know, a normal human life of being born going to school going to college going to uni then working in a job for 40 years and then having a pension and then getting old and then dying it's like no I am not on that life path at all and anyone can have an extraordinary life yet we have to start making extraordinary decisions. Mm. And if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always had. So a big part of self-love is taking aligned risks. It's really tuning in with your desire, which is also part of manifestation. Have you ever had that where you just get an idea? Mm-hmm. Maybe even like something for me going to India. Mm. I just, I've never, I'd never wanted to go to India before. I just all of a sudden got this idea and it just kept coming to me. I was like, you're going to go to India. And I told my mum and my mum's like, why would you want to go there? I was like, I don't know, but it's happening. I just really want to go to India. It is one of my, definitely one of my favorite countries. And yeah, like I just got that idea and I could just, I really wanted it. Like my soul was guiding me to Mm. India and that was a risk. You know, I didn't really have any money at that point. I definitely hadn't really traveled alone and well, I'd travel a little bit alone, but yeah, I took like a massive risk and that's where I really anchored in. Like I actually don't need anything on the outside world to, to be love to be loved, to have a love life. Mm. And 
yeah, I talk about in my book, I had this moment sat on the beach in Goa where I remember just feeling like, wow, I was at this point of my life where I realized I don't need to change for anyone. I don't need to change anything. Like who I am as I am is all I can be, all I'm ever gonna be. Yes, I can make some tweaks, but this is really it. So you can either like it or lump it. And if you lump it, that says more about you than it actually says about me. And it's also just the way the world works. We're either in alignment or we're not, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had this big realization and it was about 10 days after that, that I met my then partner who was honestly the first, my first love of my life really, because I'd had many boyfriends, many relationships, but I couldn't really receive love. I could only love to the level of love that I had for myself. And at that point, when I met that boyfriend, I had so much love for myself that we, we had this love relationship that I think is quite unique in some ways because people actually can't fully receive love. They think they can, but a lot of the time until they've done this self-love work, they look back and they're like, wow, I actually wasn't really in love. Like I yeah. called it love, but it was more like just companionship. Right. You know? I'm similar story in terms of I just kind of never, it was India curious, but it was never like a big pull until it was a pull. I guess this is why I've got the confidence to speak to you without my face on because I've been in India now for six weeks and it's like, it doesn't actually matter what clothes you're wearing or if you've got makeup on or not. I think that's just something I just feel so free here to just be me, not be Radio Gabby mm. or Podcast Gabby or DJ Gabby. I can just be Gabby. Yeah, totally get it. And mm. like that, it's so different in the yeah. East. Yeah. Yeah, even like in the East, you're not going to go past a double-decker bus with an ad on it with a man and a woman like hugging with bright white teeth and a size eight. It's true. That was a big thing that I realized in Bali. There's no marketing as such, you know, mm. I'm not going to see any of that stuff anywhere. I don't, there's no TVs like, well, there is, but yeah. if you turn it on, it's only going to play Balinese stuff. Yeah. I never watched TV. I never saw really any marketing. Nothing has packaging. Even on that one little branch I'm not being constantly marketed to yeah god you're so right the validation from others if we could touch on that really quickly mm -hmm. um it's so easy to get sucked into that kind of especially I think like say in the workplace or if we get you know dumped but if we're not getting that recognition from our employee again it's just we start to shrink inside don't we so like if we feel ourselves being a product of maybe other people's projections in a way or feeling that way have you got any tips there yes so well I am not well actually now I am a mother of my little fur baby but previously to the last few months <laughs> I'm not technically a mother so although in my communities probably over half the women are so for the last 10 years I've been studying with them, listening to them, holding space for them, working through things. And the biggest thing with mothers is that 
the matrix again i'll call it the matrix the typical normal world says that the mother the mother's everything comes last you know they're there to serve the children the husband the work everything and if there's any time mm. left then you know you get to have a bath or something and <laughs> that is a freaking recipe for disaster because it just yeah. you can't give from an empty cup it's like you need to be vital to have the energy to serve and then the service you provide is very different when you're resourced to when you're not so for mm -hmm. a lot of women this is a massive hurdle to overcome and even you know over the years i've probably put on 30 to 40 retreats and sometimes i have these conversations with mothers and they're like oh my god it's gonna be the first time i'll have ever left my kids and i don't know if they're gonna survive with the dad or with their nanny or whatever most of them don't come the ones that do go back in such a different frequency they have filled up they have given themselves some space they've had a few good nights sleep they've remembered who the fuck they are without children they've mm. like gathered this big ball of self-love energy and they're literally overflowing with energy to give to the children mm. and also not only that but the difference between a mother who loves herself nourishes herself puts herself first does all the practices, you know, has boundaries and a mother who has just literally no boundaries and is just at the will of anyone else, those children are going to grow up so different, so differently, you know, and a lot of mums really don't want to pass on their bad habits to their children. A lot of mums don't want to pass on their really weird relationship with food. They don't want to pass on their bad oh, yeah. relationship with their body. And, you know, with with children, it's not what we say, it's who we are that they learn off. So mm. if if a mother is hating her body, thinking she's not worthy of love, not having good sex, you know, not making money, just like struggling along, feeling low and depressed and unresourced, that is actually by osmosis, what the children are learning is what their reality will be. And mm -hmm. actually a mother really taking radical responsibility and being like, I want my children to love themselves. And that starts with me. That is a huge step for people to take. And the ones that take it, you know, the children really get to benefit. The partner really gets to benefit and they're like thank you so much for the work you've done with my wife I've got my wife back wow yeah. wow so then in terms of this like validation seeking which is a trap isn't it that we fall into where it's like we want the validation off the partner that we look good or you know whatever and then the validation from the employer how do we go about validating ourselves so that we don't seek it elsewhere it's definitely possible. And like we said earlier in the podcast, it comes from unpacking 
your personal life story, all the things where you didn't think you were worthy, all the things that you've been holding against yourself that you've not forgiven, like all of these things. And mm. also learning to self-soothe, learning to do self-love practices, learning to have the awareness to catch oh, look, that's not actually the truth. All these things, it's like a hundred-pronged approach. Mm. At a certain point, it's like a, a switch flicks with my clients, with my students. It just all lands at once and they don't need the validation of others. And just caveat to this, validation is lovely. Like I like to be validated. I love, I love when my partners, you know, says something like, oh, you look so gorgeous. I'm so, you're doing so well. I love it when my family say these things. You know, I love all of that. It's not that we can't have that or we don't want that. And yet we can find it within first. And that's a bonus. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when we're at that point where we know who the fuck we are, we know we're worthy, mm -hmm. we know we're always doing our best, we know we have an inner asshole who wants to fuck things up. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know we have an inner saboteur. We know we're not a perfect human. We know we have desires. We know we have boundary, all of these things, and we can be with all of it. So self-love mm. is not actually, you know, just loving ourselves. It's actually being able to be with ourselves when we fuck up, when we do something wrong, when we're just not doing well. Like, can we mm. still be with ourselves? And yes, there might be parts of that where it's like, Yes, I love you so much that you do need to do better in certain aspects. You do need to look at this. You do need to take radical responsibility that that was not okay. But it's from this like loving, nurturing, you're not a perfect human, nobody is, stop trying mm. to be kind of approach. That mm. really is self-love. Wow, amazing stuff. Thank you so much. And I've just got to ask because this is going out on Valentine's Day. I know if I ask you, do you believe self-love attracts romantic love? I think you're going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say yes and no. So mm. it depends what part of your journey you're on, honestly. Because for mm. me when I got the initial self-love flick of the switch that I just explained, when yeah. that happened and I realized I didn't need to be validated, it was 10 days between me being completely single, basically marrying myself in love. <laughs> and then 10 days later, it was like love at first sight with this man and we were together for years and it was the most amazing relationship. So in that way, yes, I definitely attracted love. And then in the last 10 years, there's been periods of my life where I have been focused more than ever on self-love. And my relationship with myself, it's unfuckwithable. Like, it is <laughs> so strong. I'm so committed to it. I'm so dedicated. And there's been big periods of my life where I've been single, either voluntary single like I've been celibate for periods of life where I've wanted to just be with myself and then there's been times of my life where I've been single and wanting to meet someone and I've had to be in that trust essentially relationship with God or the universe 
of like, I know that right now there is a reason for this and I'm going to, I'm going to put my trust in our sky daddy (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, I'm in relationship with myself, with God all the time. And if another comes into that, if I magnetize that, I trust it's the right time and I'm going to receive whatever is needed through it. So yes and no. I honestly think Mm. the level of relationship and the level of love that people have after they've done the self-love work is exponentially different to before they've done it. Mm. Yeah. So through the lens of the self-love bubble, how would you give yourself the perfect Valentine's Day? Ooh, well. To yourself. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do (laughs) is take myself on a date. And actually, this is inspiring me to do this again. I do this regularly, but I haven't done it for a while. So if anyone's listening and they're single, or even if they're not, I recommend to do this anyway. Even if your beloved is taking you on a date you can do this another day so write down your absolute best ever date day afternoon two hours however much time you've got so if you were going to spend that time with a lover like the most amazing lover ever what would you want to do so for example it might be like wake up with no alarm and cuddle in bed and then maybe I love to eye gaze so maybe there's some eye gazing and then maybe there's like your favorite breakfast in bed and then it could be going on a long walk somewhere beautiful with a view and having a picnic or like sitting under a tree and chatting and then being taken out to a gorgeous dinner at night and getting dressed up in a gorgeous dress whatever it is for you that's just you know one of my fantasies Um, you can basically give all of that to yourself. So I can wake up with no alarm and I can be very intentional about like, like really like loving myself up in bed and I could eye gaze (laughs) in a mirror and really like see myself and then cook myself this delicious breakfast and eat it in bed and have gorgeous music on and you know, if you're on a date, maybe there's flowers, maybe there's music, maybe you make your bed in a different way. And then you can still get dressed up and go to a delicious thing. Not just like, oh, I'll just go here where no one's going to see me. Mm. It's like, no, book yourself the dinner Mm. you would want. Take yourself there, get dressed up, be with yourself and journal under a tree rather than talking to a partner and really receive your own love right and this might sound really weird and in in yoga this would be called an advanced pose this is like doing headstand in yoga you know (laughs) this is like the ultimate self-love date of being like can I be in love with myself and receive from myself and give this to myself and if the negative talk tries to interfere because it probably will you tell it to do one yeah Well, you know, there's many things you can do with that negative self-talk voice. You can take your journal with you. You can write it all down. Everything you think in the day, write it all down on a piece of paper at the end of the day, burn it. You could ring your best friend and say, I'm on a self-love date and this is coming up. I just want to be witnessed. You don't have to change anything or fix it. I just want to get it Mm -hmm. out. Whatever you need to do to just honor that it's, it's not your truth that day, or maybe there is some truth in it, you know, but what do you choose? Keep coming back to what you choose. And 
of course, if anyone's listening and they're like, I'd love to do this, but feel so far away. You could just start with a hour self-love day in your own house, you mm. know, dance into some music or whatever. It doesn't have to be the whole dinner and <laughs> hiring a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So baby steps. Okay. So final question is something yeah. that I ask all the guests to close the episode and that's to set us some homework based on the specific mm-hmm. theme of the episode. So in this case, Gina, what is a simple, actionable, like first step, baby step, if you will, that we can all take when it comes to loving ourselves that will help us on our mission to building a happier life? Yeah, well, the resonant thing is to book yourself a self-love date. <laughs> so take out your diary or your phone right now look when the next available time that you have choose what you want to do Do you want to do two hours do you want to do an hour in your house do you want to do a full day Do you want to go all in book the time in now even if it's in two weeks send me a message on social media and be like send me a screenshot of your thing and be like i booked myself love date i'm freaking out or i'm super (laughs) excited or let me know what you're doing i'd love to hear and honor it like an appointment with yourself go get yourself some flowers, do what you would do, you know, buy yourself a new outfit even, or put on something that makes you feel sexy. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite homework. And if you haven't already read the book, Mm -hmm. P.S. I love me. And this, if what I've been talking about is resonating, if there's a piece of your soul that's like coming back online, if you're like, oh, I need this, treat yourself to the book you can listen to me I narrated it myself you can Mm. listen to it in your ears and I'll I'll talk you awake with my northern accent (laughs) (laughs) so two pieces of homework yeah it was home from home for me listening to you over here awesome yeah great advice what a super brill chat thank you so much for your time thank you Gabby this was amazing let's do all the plugs oh so your website is genuswire.com yes. Instagram's the same uh, genuswire podcast PS I Love Me is available wherever you get your podcasts from yep. the book is also called PS I Love Me which you can listen to as well as read and then of course there's a 12 step course which you can find out more about on your website as well and there's different payment options for that one too so there is loads of content and YouTube you're on YouTube there's one other thing so I do have an app it's the Genus Wire app you can download it for free and on there there is a whole bunch of self-love courses that are completely free or some of them are like under 10 pounds so you can get all sorts of self-love ceremonies all different things you can do on there for free oh my god i love it i'm gonna download that once we get off this call (laughs) great amazing oh nice one thank you gina thank you oh shout out to my girl gina I can't believe she's literally from right down the road. So thanks, Gina. And thank you to you for listening to another episode of The Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Now for the important housekeeping. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. 
Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review if you found this episode helpful and to find and follow us on social media. We are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care, give yourself buckets of self-love and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.